of that are that are here and you're and you're wondering there's something that's in front of me that's normally not here this is family worship and because of family worship we're going to involve the children into the service so if i can have our children's director ashley to go ahead and to bring the children up we're going to try to observe uh, you know, safe distancing with this. So we have the sisters that are here and they're going to be able to be in the boat together. Yeah, Dean, you can come be in the boat too. The boat, the, the adults can get into the boat. That's all right. So as we're here and we're, we're having family worship and our children are here. Our children's director is here. This does have something and it will have something to do with the message for us today. There is a parable that's, that, we, you would, that we find in three of the four Gospels. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 8 beginning with verse 4. But this parable is also found in Matthew chapter 13. And in Mark chapter 4, but there's some differences, okay? So the main difference that we see, and I'm going to have it right here, so I'm going to read this, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 1, starts the, this parable off in this manner. It says, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into the boat. Then he sat there and taught the people as they stood on the shore. So Jesus got into the boat, and then he sat down that morning, and I'm not sure if I'm going to trust it. He sat down in the boat and he taught the people as they were out on the shore. But they stood. So y'all going to have to stand up this morning as I sit and teach. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> y'all going to say <laughs> So whenever we look at this particular passage of Scripture, and this is a parable of the farmer or the seed sower, and he is going to sow his seeds. Now, our children actually have something else to do. They have another craft. So they're going to sow the seeds for us as they leave. And as they are leaving for us, I'm going to read the remainder of the passage of Scripture. But I'm going to go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 4, and I'll read that again. I'll start off with that. It says, one day Jesus told the story in, in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from the towns nearby. The parable is, a farmer went out and planted his seeds. As he scattered it across the field, some fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seeds fell among rocks 
It grew, but the plants soon withered and died for the lack of moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and grew up with it and choked it out and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. These soils grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The other two the other two gospels, Matthew and Mark, goes into a great deal as far as the hearing and the listening. And they talk about the fact that it needs to be important and why there were some people that listened or that the message would be given and they would hear the message but not truly understand. And then there was some that would hear the message and they would understand a portion of it but not all of it that God had for them. But I don't want us to get caught up in whether or not you hear or you understand because afterwards Jesus tells the disciples what this parable means. We find in the gospel of Mark that he gives us this understanding that this particular parable happened afterwards. So Jesus was there and he taught And then he even taught even more. And then it says later on, the disciples asked Jesus what this parable meant. Matthew just simply says that they asked Jesus pretty much right where he was and said, okay, we don't understand this parable. You've got to explain it to us. And then Jesus goes in and he explains it and he says, you have been given the ability to understand the secrets of the message of God. And because you understand that, I will explain to you and I will tell you what this particular parable, what it means. And if we look in Luke chapter 8, we're now going to go to verse 11. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent it from believing or prevent them from believing and being saved. The seed that's the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they do not have deep root, Their belief is, they believe for a while, then they fall away when faced with temptation. The seed that falls among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the the seeds that fall upon the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. 
So Jesus is explaining this and he tells us all this about what the seeds are. I want us to remember and to think there's, there's three characters in this or so, or there's three things, there's three key things for us to see in this. In this parable, we see that there's a sower, there's seeds, and then there's soil. So let's start with the easiest one. The seed never changes. The seed that is being sowed is the gospel or the word of God. That never changes. The seed is good. It's not a bad seed, so it's not rotten. So if it's sowed on the, on the soil, on the proper soil, it will produce. So whenever we look at the soils, we cannot blame the seed for not producing because the seed is good and the seed never changes. Now the sower, the sower changes. We look in scripture and the scripture will give us illustrations or metaphors that we see that there are other sowers of seed. God's a sower of seed. Jesus is a sower of seed. But anyone that believes in Jesus Christ is a sower of seeds. So the seed sower changes, not the seed. The sower changes. Now, the soil changes, right? But the thing about it is, and whenever we first look into this, we as the seed sowers, we cannot look at the soil to determine whether or not we should sow our seed. The farmer just simply sowed the seed. He threw it on the soil, and it was the soil's responsibility to receive the seed that was sowed. It is not our responsibility as the sower to determine who can receive the seed. We all have those friends, right? That we know that regardless of how many times we speak the gospel to them, they're not going to receive it. Or we think they're too far gone. I see some people shaking their head, but we do it, don't we? We prejudge the soil before we even sow the seed. We do not give the good seed of God the opportunity to grow because we're looking at the exterior of the person that we're needing to sow the seed. We're like, that ground's hard. They've been spending too many nights in the bar. They've been spending too many days in the, you know, in a drug and stupor. Teenagers. That guy that's been bullying me for five or six years, he's too far gone. I'm not going to sow the seed there. 
We also have the issue that we will witness to our children or we will witness to our family members or we will even witness to our co-workers and they do not receive the the seed year after year, time after time, so we stop sowing the seed. It is not our choice on where we sow the seed and it is not our choice on whether or not the soil receives the seed. All we're supposed to do is sow the seed. And then we allow God to do what it, with it what it needs to be done. Just be a seed sower. Sow the seed. Allow God to do with it what it wants to do. Or what he wants to do with it. Talked a little bit more about the sower for you. Now let's talk about the soil. Whenever we look at the soil, there's four types of soil, Right? You have the hard soil, you have the rocky soil, then you have the soil that's going to be with the thorns and the thistles, and then you have the good soil, the rocky soil or the hard soil. It's our hearts. The seeds are thrown upon the hard heart, and Satan quickly comes and snatches it away so that it doesn't have the opportunity to even grow. Didn't say that it couldn't grow within that soil. Satan snatched it away before it had the opportunity, before it was even able to grow. But what makes the soil hard? Scripture tells us that sin makes the soil hard. Sin within the heart or sin in the soul hardens the heart so that it can't receive the word of God. And trust me, Satan is not going to allow the word of God to sit there and possibly take root and begin to soften the soil as it works its way in. He snatches it before it has the opportunity. the soil that has the rocks. The thing about it is, there again, we look at the sower. Why would the sower sow the seed in rocky soil? Hopefully because he's like we should and he could care less what the soil looks like. He's just simply going to sow the seed that God tells him to. But see, the rocks or beneath the surface. So he sows the seed thinking that something good is going to come from it. And then we have the seed pops up pretty quickly. One of the things that we see in this passage of Scripture, it says that in the rocky soil, that they quickly, that it quickly sprouted up and believed in joy. The rocky soil has a tendency to deal with emotions. It's all on the surface. Joy. Our praise and worship team did a good job this morning, right, with the praise and worship songs. Good, good father. Uh, You know, we are loved by him. 
But the thing about it is, is that if we just simply listened to the rhythm of the music and we stomped our feet and we clapped our hands and we had a little bit of tingling and stuff and we had a little bit of joy, that's not what we're dealing with. That's not what we're talking about because joy is going to fade. Because whenever you walk outside the church world, the life, this world is going to hit. The scripture says that temptation came along and that temptation was what you know, what burn them out. So whenever you look at this particular soil and we think about this, I also want you to go back to whenever you were in elementary school and you had that science project where you had to grow something, right? And you put it in the glass jar or a plastic jug where you could see the, the roots grow before, the, before it came out. None of y'all have ever done that. I'll, I'll explain it to you then. You plant the little seed into the little fertile soil. You got it in this little jar and you can see the roots and stuff. You can see the seed and whenever it begins to grow, the first thing that I want you to see is whenever you see that, the first thing that grows is roots grow. And then this plant will begin to come up out of the soil. The problem with the rocky soil is, is the roots don't have anywhere to grow, so it springs up quicker because it doesn't grow deep. And whenever the sun shines on it, it just simply burns up and fades away because it doesn't have any depth to its soul. The roots were not able to go down deep to where the moisture is. So it just simply withers away. We find ourselves and we struggle with this. If we do not grow deep in God and we're just simply dealing with the emotions, whenever the sun comes down on us and begins to beat down on us and we have troubles in our lives, God's going to feel like he's a million miles away because we have not been able to tap into the nourishment that we need as Christians to be able to hold fast and firm within him. We've never reached it. So he feels like he's so far away. The thing about it is, is that he is our father. And we do trust in him. So we look at the third soil. The third soil is the soil that has the thorns that's growing there as well. And the scripture talks about how the thorns and the thistles grow right along the side, right alongside with the wheat, with the wheat or with the seed that was sown. And it says that the thorns choked out the wheat, or the, the I'm going to quit calling it wheat, hopefully. The seed that was sowed, the thorns, quickly choke it out to where it does not come to maturity, but it does not say that it doesn't grow. There are Christians and there are people within the church today that are living in the thorny soil. We live within the thorny soil. Do we not? Because we're in the world. How many of you cut your grass this week in between all the rain and stuff? The weeds are taller than your grass is. Because the weeds will take the nourishment from the ground quicker than the grass will. Quicker than the plants will. So the nourishment that the plant needs to actually produce the fruit is taken away from the weeds. So the plant still grows, but it does not produce anything. It just grows. 
So if we're sitting here and our emotions were stirred this morning and we walk outside and the sun starts beating down on us and we're not rooted into God and we're not deeply rooted into the word of God, we'll burn up. But if we leave this place and we go out into this world that we live in and we allow the worldly system to destroy and to take away our nourishment that God has for us, we will not produce a thing. So how does the world take away our nourishment? Happenstance. Coincidence. God really didn't heal you. Medication that the doctors gave you healed you. That you know that X-ray that they did and showed that scar on your or you know showed that spot on your lungs and you went back for the you know for the MRI or whatever they took a closer picture of it and there wasn't anything there. God didn't heal you from that. It was just something on the screen of the other one. What about this? You know, Peggy and I. I'll tell you a story about Peggy and I. You know, on this one here. Peggy and I moved from uh, North Carolina to uh, Louisiana, and we were in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and we had a nice church that was there, a Nazarene church, had a parsonage that was empty, and they rented it to us, just $200 a month. Man, that was a big deal. Man, we were able to live in that house, and we lived there for a couple of years, and they called a pastor to come in, and they said, hey, we have a pastor that's coming in. He needs that house. You got to go. I was like, hmm. Where are we going to go? So finally, after trying to work and we were working on this, and they came back and they said, okay, John, you know, we'll give you two weeks and you got to be out. Now, great church. They did, nothing, they did nothing wrong. It was time for us to go. We just hadn't found anything. So they give us two weeks. Peggy goes out, and for the first month, we found a storage unit that we could rent for a dollar. So we rented that storage unit for that month, and we took everything that we had in that house, and we put it in that storage unit. Now, we didn't have a house to go to. The weekend that we were supposed to be out, some people in the church was going on vacation. They needed us to house sit. Well, they didn't need us to house sit. They allowed us to house sit so that we would have a place to live. I want you to know that Friday, we found a place to live. The world would simply say, oh, you know, that was just simply happenstance that that happened. I'm like, no. I know that my God opened that up for me in the right time. If we allow the world just simply to say it's happenstance or that was an accident, they really didn't see, the doctors didn't see what they thought they saw, uh, you know, that is taking our nourishment away. That is taking the blessings away that God has put upon our lives and just simply wash them away so that we don't realize what God has actually done for us and we begin to have faith and our faith begins to grow deeper and deeper in him. The world takes it away. But it doesn't produce anything, but it grows. Why doesn't it produce anything? The nourishment's gone because we're sitting here within the world and we're, we look nothing different than what the world looks like. 
you go to work, you look like just everybody else that's in there that's at work. I'm going to say this, this is Father's Day, this is one of the things that I learned about my father that kind of disturbed me. My father was an instrument technician, pretty much running this paper mill that we were working on and I was walking, going to the, uh, you know, going to the, the shed for lunch, and I overheard two people over here, and I mean, they were cussing up a storm. I mean, just cussing like, well, you would say like a sailor. They were just cussing and cussing and cussing. I was like, man, I'm like, that voice sounds like my dad. I stuck my head around a pile of pipes, and sure enough, there was my dad having a conversation using words that I have never, ever heard him use before in his life. He was looking just like the world. I used to sell cars, and I said that I was going to witness to my buddies and stuff, and I went with them to play darts on Tuesday evening or Tuesday nights after work. Well, we had to go to a bar to play darts. I got fairly good at playing darts, but I got really bad at being a Christian. I didn't drink alcohol, but I would drink a Dr. Pepper that was in the same glass as what an alcoholic drink would be in. So nobody knew the difference. I had no fruit because I looked just like the world. I can see that some of this is missed on somebody. For us to truly be what God has for us to be, we have to look different than the world. He is calling us to bear fruit. And we can't bear fruit living like the world does. We have to be different. We have to be different. The problem with it is, is that we get out into the world and Satan beats on us. The sun comes down and we're tempted and we're tempted and then we fall into the temptation. I thank God, like for those songs that we just sung. He's our good, good father. I'm a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, then no one can be against me. Did you get it? If I'm a child of God, then no one can be against me. I'm out into the world. If I'm a child of God, then no one can be against me. I'm standing in the midst of a problem. If I'm a child of God, then no one can stand against me. If I'm a child of God, no one can hurt me. If I'm a child of God, Satan has nothing in front of me that God cannot destroy. If I'm a child of God, Satan has nothing that he can do to me. My soil is tilled because I'm a child of God, because he loves me, because he holds me in his hands, because he has the best for me. He is the one that tills my soil so that I can sow the seed that he has for me because Satan in this world can do nothing because God is within me. 
Woo! We have just stepped into the fertile soil of our soul because God is the God of all and God is living within us and he is stirring that soul regardless of what is happening in our world, regardless of what is going on in our life. Our heart is hard because of the sin in our lives. The only way that we can make it to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us the only way that we can get to God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, draws us to God. The word of God, the gospel, tills our soil. The Holy Spirit draws us into a knowledge of that scripture and it begins to soften and it begins to fertilize that soil so that whenever the seed is sown, that it flourishes and that it grows and that it multiplies within us, that we can multiply a hundred times. It says the seed will multiply 30 60 or 100 fold. So we've gone all through the, through the soils. We know the sower, right? We're the sowers. We know the seed is the gospel. We know the seed is good. But this morning, whenever we look at this, as Christians we can have all four different types of soil within our souls today. I want you to witness to so-and-so. No, no, God, I I can't do that. You know me, I, I can't talk in front of people. I need you to be a witness for me today. No, I've got too much to do. I've got work. I've got to come home. I've I've got yard work. I've got to clean the house. I've got to cook. I need to talk to your boss today. Oh, goodness, no. Man, his life's so hard. There's no way he's going to accept you. Hardening my heart to what God truly has for me to do. Whether it be witnessing, whether it be spending more time with him, whether it be helping someone down the road, whatever it would be. Whether it be a Sunday, that God's calling you to be a Sunday school teacher, uh, you know, a youth leader, whatever it would be. And we say no. Sin is a willful disobedience to God. Sin hardens the heart. Don't need to explain it anymore. The rocky soil. Praise and worship was good this morning. Woo, yes. Walk out the door. 
didn't hear a word that the preacher said, don't remember what seed or what soil I am, get out into the world, the sun starts beating down on you, God feels a million miles away. Good message today. I've received the seed. It's in my heart. I go out into the world. Forget all about being a sower of the seeds. I just simply go back to work as usual. Two days from now, what was that message he preached? You can find it on YouTube later on if you forget it. As Christians, we can have all four types of soil in our lives. If we do not allow the Holy Spirit to continually till our soil, continually to work in our lives, continue to move in our lives, continue to transform our lives. Because the teapot that you are today, with your handle and your spout, is not the teapot that God needs to be in heaven but you have to allow him to change and to mold and to make you into whoever he needs for you to be. If your soil is hard and rocky, you'll never be there because whenever he says it's time for you to be changed and he crushes that teapot, it's gonna shatter because of the hardness of the life. If he wants to do something new in your life at the age of 90, your soul has to be soft enough to allow him to do it. If he wants to change you at the age of 20, your soul needs to be soft enough to allow him to do it. We can't harden our hearts. We can't take just a portion of it over here and say, you can have all of this, but I don't want you to have this. That's that fleshly desire that God is trying to take away from us. He wants to take it away, but we're trying to hold on to it because we like it so much. There's parts of this world that we like to hold on to and he's saying, no, you've got to turn loose of it. If not, it's hard soil and I can't work with it. We've got to be able to release it all. We've got to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. but we have to be different than this world. See, we can't just simply come and sit and allow the world to choke us out. Our language can't be the same language as the world.
I, I get into this, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, I, I struggle with this. There's TV shows and stuff that's not, that's not good for a Christian. Sometimes I watch them. I used to think that the Big Bang Theory was hilarious. I still think the Big Bang Theory is hilarious. I don't watch it anymore because of all the extramarital sex and stuff that's going on. I, I just, I, I, I can't deal with that anymore. I've matured and moved on. We have to be different from the world. Teenagers. I, I know there's no teenagers that do this, so I'm going to speak to the ones that's, that's out there on the internet. Those games that's out there, that's killing everybody, the games out there that the further along that you get, that you remember the car game where car where you you know you rode around and you kept stealing cars. If you eventually won it, you, you got to yeah there was there was a there was a woman at the end of it that didn't have very much on. That's not for you. That is of the world, and we have to be away from the world. Is it a fleshly desire that draws us? Yes. We all want to be accepted. And part of that is the way that we're accepted. But God says, no. I need you to be different. If you're going to produce fruit, you have to be different than the world. How many of us are really good at patience? Patience is fruit of the Spirit, right? So whenever you're going down the road, it's a Sunday, and somebody in front of you is out on a Sunday afternoon ride. Y'all know all those, right? All those people that's riding the speed limit, and you're back behind them saying, come on, it's Sunday, it's Sunday. Let them have a Sunday afternoon drive. Patience. Don't start blowing your horn. Don't whip around them and give them this look. Patience. Don't be like this world whenever you're going to work on Monday and somebody cuts you off. Don't blow the horn. Give them the number one sign. Deep, you know, down in your breath, you're, you know, you're saying these words that you're not supposed to say. But God, I didn't say it out loud. I thought it. Didn't say it out loud. We all know that one, right? We all, we all know it, it's, you should have went ahead and said it. It's a sin even if you think it. There's laughter here because we do things like that. God is trying to till our soil so that we can be fertile, so that we can produce not only 30 times, not only 60 times, but 100 times our fold because of what he has done in our lives. Because he has been able to till that soil and fertilize that soil to where we produce exactly what he needs for us to produce. But we can only do it if we constantly allow him to till our soil. Paul says, I die every day. 
every single day, he allows God to start up that tiller and begin to turn that soil. We should not be the same tomorrow as we are today. We should wake up. That sounds pretty good. Tomorrow, whenever you wake up, ask God to start the tiller and begin to till the soil in your soul so that you can receive what he has for you throughout the day. Let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for this day. God, I thank you for the time and for the words that you have given to us. I thank you for your spirit that is here drawing us, that is tilling our soil, and that is transforming our lives as I speak. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with us and that you will guide our steps throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.